Welcome to my podcast. My guest on Facing the Canon this week is Dave Brennan, who leads a remarkable ministry called Brefos. Dave Brennan, welcome to Facing the Canon. Thank you very much. It's a great privilege to be here. I'm delighted that you are. Well, I know you went to Oxford University and you studied classics. What made you go to Oxford to do classics? You know, something that a teacher I had when I was just 12, perhaps, uh, just planted the seed. He just said, someone like you, I was really into Latin at the time, uh, and I was just beginning Greek. He said, someone like you should have your eyes set on classics at Oxford. And I just thought, I quite like the sound of that. Oh. And uh, so I guess I always had that in the back of my mind as I was at school, sort of 13 to 18. I loved language, I loved Latin and Greek. Um, and so it was just something I always wanted to do. Uh, I, you'll be pleased. I read a report um, that Oxford University is the number one best university in the whole world. That's right. I think five years running. Yes. Five years <laughs> running. <laughs> right. You then became a teacher. Mm-hmm. And how many years did you teach? So I did two years with the educational charity Teach First. So what they do is they kind of get graduates into uh, tougher schools or schools in poorer areas and they kind of train you on the job. So I did that for two years. In... But then became an evangelist. That's right. That's right. So, <laughs> so I, I worked um, as I was working as a teacher for my day job, as it were. I was part of a, a team that, that kind of uh, was helping to revitalise a church in yes. southwest London. So um, I was already kind of part of that team. Um, and uh, one way or another, we went away on a, a sort of prayer day as a church. And it was discerned that we really needed to invest more in evangelism um, and in some other areas as well. But that was perhaps the main area. And, um, and prayerfully, it was discerned that I was the person to kind of come and try and help with that. So I did two years, saw out my notice at school and um, came on board the staff team uh, that summer. But now you oversee a ministry called Brefos. That's right. So tell us about that. How did that start? When did it start? Sure. So um, perhaps I'll just say what Brefos means. That might help. So so the word Brefos is the Greek word for baby. It's um, it's used in Luke chapter one of Jesus in, uh, sorry, of John the Baptist leaping through the door. That's right. And it's used of Jesus himself in Luke two, lying in a manger. So a born baby. And so it's, it's a, a word which for me just encapsulates God's heart and how God yes. sees the unborn child, that before birth as after birth, it's the same person, same value. So that, that's, that's the, the name Brefos really came from that. And it's a ministry that's to help the church to really see the unborn child as God sees the unborn child. Um, but anyway, so that's what Brefos um, is about. Perhaps we'll talk more about that later. Yes. But, but, um, but over the course of a number of years, really, the Lord raised the, the, the issue of, of the unborn child and what's happening to them, to, to, to my, my wife and, and myself. And really it came to a point where that was really dominating our thoughts a lot. Um, we came to learn of just the scale of what's happening. Yes. Um, and many scriptures were speaking into our, our lives at that point. And so really it all came to a head while I was working on, the, on this staff team uh, of this church. Really it came to this conclusion of, this is the greatest moral issue of our day. Yeah. And, and who's doing anything about it? And so really that realisation led to really quite a clear calling where the Lord made it unmistakable to us that he didn't just want our spare time, but he wanted all our time. Yeah. And so we came on board with something called the Centre for Bioethical Reform UK. And, and with them, we launched this new ministry, uh, Brefos, uh, January 2018. 
Dave, give us some of the facts. What what are we talking about?、Mm. Um, you, you know them,、mm. educator. Sure. So、um, in the UK,、um, in the last couple of years, for example, we've had more than two hundred thousand babies killed in the womb,、uh, just in England and Wales each year. Yeah, every、uh, year. Every year, and so that that. Um, amounts to about one in four babies. So for, for every one baby that's killed in the womb, three are born live. Yes. So this is, you know, I grew up in a, a kind of Christian home. I was notionally pro-life. It was my default position, but I had no idea、yep. the scale of this issue. And and when I came to realise the scale, it just、um, it really rocked us actually. And and because it's very hidden, you don't see it. Sure. This is behind closed doors. Uh, just remind us when was it legalized? Nineteen sixty-seven. Okay.、Um, and so since and did America legalize it first?、Uh, no, slightly after us actually.、Oh, Roe v. Wade was slightly after. Slightly after. Yeah. Okay. So,、um, and in fact, the UK has been something of a pioneer in in, in in the abortion industry worldwide.、Um, and since nineteen sixty-seven, we've had nine million. And and what about、um, how many abortions every year around the world? Is there an estimate? Yeah, the estimates. Range between sort of forty million and fifty, fifty-five million. So we're talking about a million a week, yes, worldwide. Worldwide.、Um, and when you start computing these sorts of figures, if you can, I mean, if you can, yeah, if of you, course, if you can compute this, what we're seeing here really is a a genocide of unprecedented proportions、yeah. globally. And what are the reasons that people give? Uh, for aborting a baby, well, in this country,、um, by the letter of the law, you you have to、um, give one of several reasons. The doctor has to be able to sign you off as、um, having a, a reason. And and the, for ninety eight percent of of abortions in the UK, they're done under what's clause C, which basically states、um, that it's the doctor's judgment that it would be、um, more of a threat to the woman's physical or mental health. To continue the pregnancy, than to have the abortion. So it's kind of by the letter of the law, it's under this kind of mental health bracket. But what everyone knows, and even the abortion industry is quite candid about, is it's not really about mental health. It's it's a question of choice. It's autonomy. And so, quite simply, in the UK, if you don't want to have this baby, you will have an abortion. You never hear of anyone being denied an abortion. Yeah. So what it means really is we have abortion on demand. So whatever the reason. Uh, you can have an abortion. That could be anything from,、um, you know, my partner will leave me if I don't. To I'm struggling financially. To even what we saw in the news recently.、Um, well, I, I, I'm going on holiday and I don't want my bikini body to be jeopardised by being pregnant. And, and the abortion industry is caught on camera saying, "Yep,、yeah, we'll give you an abortion、yeah. for that reason." So, so what we're living in is a is a culture where whatever the reason. Uh, the the state will pay for and and enable you to、uh, have your unborn child killed in the womb, and the state will pay for it, which means the taxpayer is paying for、That's、it. That's right, NHS. Yeah, so、money. so basically, all of us、uh, are paying for this. That's right. That's right. Yeah, about something like two hundred million pounds a year. Yeah, in, in the UK, is spent on on abortions, both here and internationally. And、uh, many babies are terminated because they're supposedly there's a defect or something. That's right. So about two percent 
um, are under a clause which is to do with the physical health of the, of the child. So any kind of abnormality um, is grounds for abortion right up till birth, actually, in the UK. So right up until birth. For right up to the actual day. To the day of birth, yeah. yeah. A, a so, baby can be terminated. That's right, that's right. Right up until birth. There's, 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 there's no time limit on that if there's thought to be some abnormality. Now, that can be anything from something quite severe and life-limiting, um, spina bifida or something, uh, which actually can be rectified in the womb, incredibly. There's been surgery in the sure. womb, which has been amazing. But it, it can be anything like that to something like Down syndrome, uh, to having a cleft palate, uh, which in this country is so easily treatable. I mean, it's, it's basically an aesthetic thing. Um, but um, last year, uh, the year before, um, several babies were killed just for having cleft palate in our country. Basically didn't have the, the right look. But when we, th right up to the day, Dave, I mean, some of those babies uh, might be seven pounds, eight pounds. Yeah, yeah. Now, the Christian conviction is that life commences at conception. Just explain that to yeah. us. Well, it's both the Christian conviction and also a medical fact. So every medical textbook agrees that from the moment of fertilization, when sperm meets egg, uh, a new human life has been formed. Yes. Uh, and and that's, that's not my opinion. That's it's not a fact. A, it's a fact. It's a fact. Uh, and, and three key things happen at that moment. The DNA is formed, this, this totally unique yeah. set of information for that individual. Like no one else in history, that's a unique individuals different dna from the father different dna from the mother and and so it's unique it's an individual it's not a part of someone else because it's got different dna and it's um it's alive it's not dead and there are only two options it's it's alive it's growing and then thirdly it's um it's human it's not a different species you know human parents beget human offspring and so what you've got is an individual it's alive it's, it's human. It's a living human being. It's an individual right from that moment. And that's just the science. But of course, the Bible uh, affirms this. Psalm 51 verse 5, David refers to himself as a person from conception, yes. from when my mother conceived me. He says he was yeah. a sinner from that point. Yeah. I was created of my mother's womb. That's right. Yes. That's right. And, and, and of course, uh, above all else, Jesus himself was conceived of the Holy Spirit, not born of the Holy Spirit, but conceived. Yes. So from conception... Jesus was there. That's when the incarnation happened. And so if Jesus was there from conception, we know that that's when human life begins. That was his, the beginning of his human life. Okay, let's look at some of these um, different areas. First of all, what would you say, Dave, to any of our viewers who have already had an abortion? Okay, we don't obviously know the circumstances, but they've had it they're feeling guilty or bad about it now. Yeah. What would you say to them? Yeah, well, the, the first thing I would say is um, you're really not alone. And you know, one in three women in the UK has at least one abortion in her lifetime. It's not spoken about much. It's not spoken about much in the church. It's easy to feel like you're the only one, but that's not true. There are many people in the same boat. And actually, crucially, you know, whether you've had an abortion or not, we're all in the same boat. Yeah. I stand before God as a sinner in need of grace. Yes. I need the cross just as much as the next person. And although abortion is an incredibly significant thing, uh, it's not the unforgivable sin. And the cross is easily powerful enough to, to save anyone who, who turns to Christ in faith. And it, it doesn't matter what your past sins might be. 
um, I love that interchange that Jesus has with that, um, the thief on the cross next to him. And the thief says to him, well, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, I'll tell you the truth, today you'll be with me in paradise. He says it instantly. There's no kind of payback period. The thief can't go and set everything right. He can't prove to everyone he's changed. All he can do is look to Jesus. And that's all any of us can do. That's, yeah. Is look to Jesus. And, and his grace is enough. The gospel's big enough. Uh, yeah, and we believe us. in uh, the healing grace of Jesus. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Now, for any listeners now, Dave, uh, the, uh, the woman's pregnant, expecting a baby, uh, is thinking about aborting mm. the baby. Mm. What would you say to them? Yeah. The first thing I would like to say is... And, and this is true almost anywhere in the world. It's certainly true here in the UK. Um, the doctors will not tell you the truth about two important things. They won't tell you the truth about the humanity of your unborn child. Yes. Just how developed and wondrous this gift of life is. Do you know from three weeks after fertilization, there's a heartbeat. Yeah. For, uh, at 10 weeks after fertilization, there's a fingerprint. There are fingernails, eyes, ears, nose. You can even tell if the baby's right-handed or left-handed from their movements in the womb. So almost all... Isn't it amazing? Amazing. Almost all the organs uh, that you and I have were there from about 10 weeks after fertilization. So uh, the first thing I'd encourage any woman who's pregnant and and struggling with what to do, um, go to ehd.org. That's the Endowment for Human Development, ehd.org. And you will see a video of life in the womb from earlier stages. And it's just mind-blowing. Yes. And that's your baby. You're already a mother. That's your baby right there. And um, so, so wonder at the creation of life. Um, and, and don't let the doctors or the abortion industry lie to you and say, oh, it's just a blob of tissue. You know, it's just, it's just a pregnancy. Because the language really changes quite dramatically uh, in this whole area according to what people are trying to do and what thoughts they're trying to plant. So you know, get, get familiar with, this, with what's going on in your, in your womb. Um, and the other thing I'd say, and this is hard, but you need to do it, is you need to become aware of the facts of abortion itself. Yes. Because again, the euphemisms cloak this. They just say, look, we'll just terminate this, we'll yes. end this, we'll, we'll sort it out. Tell, tell us some of the facts, details. Yeah, so most abortions happen at around 10, 11, 12 weeks. Um, and in this country, until recently with lockdown, this has changed things with, with yes. abortions kind of being mostly performed at home. Um, pills are sent in the post. Now, that's what's called a medical abortion, where you take pills. And that's the majority of abortions worldwide, certainly here in the UK. And uh, even before lockdown, it was the majority. And what happens there is you take two pills. The first pill basically cuts off all the supplies to the baby. Yeah. And so it kills the baby in the womb. And then the second pill taken maybe a day later will expel the baby. And so you, you basically deliver it. Um, at that stage, it's small, but, but very clearly it's a baby. And then, and then the, the mother has to deal with that somehow. And, and these babies have to, they don't disappear. They have to go somewhere. You, do, do you bury them? Do yeah, you what, what, flush what, them? Did, well, what did they do? Well, they, they flush them down the toilet mostly. That's, that's the kind of advice is you just... You sit uh, on the loo. The, the doctor will say that. Yeah, because these at-home abortions, what, what else can they do? You know, either you, you, you put it in the bin or you flush it down the loo. And so what you've got is, in the sewers of our nation, tens of thousands of human babies disposed of. Um, and so that's, that's the most common form of abortion in this country. But there's also surgical abortion where 
literally the baby is just dismembered, pulled limb from limb, decapitated, crushed, disemboweled, and then just pulled out. And, and what they have to do is then reassemble the pieces of the baby on the table to make sure they've got all the pieces out so there's not infection. So the, the, the reality of abortion, when seen for what it is, it protests itself. Yes, I don't need to protest abortion. I just need to explain what it is. Yeah. And it protests itself. And so I'd urge any woman, any couple considering this, please get to know the facts of abortion. Um, you need to know what it's going to do to your baby and also what it does to the mother. The health impact, the mental health impact on a mother can be severe. And then I guess the third thing I'd say is that there is, where there is life, there is hope. Yes. God doesn't create a child um, without thinking it through. You know, there are enough resources that he's, he's given you a child because he trusts you to be the parent and he, he will enable you to, to parent that child if you will, if you will do it. Um, and there is help out there. You know, you can get in touch with us. We've got friends around the world who can help. Um, there is help. There are people who are, who are desperate to help you if, if you need help in any specific regard. But where there is life, there's hope. And so yeah. we encourage you to be courageous. That's lovely. Where there is life, there is hope. You, you just hinted at some of the... Um, health issues that could develop as a consequence of uh, aborting a baby yeah. what are those well so some of them are contested uh, there's you know obviously there's correlation there's causation and there's, there's, there's debate over plenty of it but some things are really quite clear so for example one thing that that um i don't think is even really contested is that if you have an abortion um your next pregnancy is far more likely to end with a premature delivery yes I mean, we're talking significant increase of risk. And if you have several abortions, you're even more likely yes. in your next pregnancy. And of course, a premature delivery comes with all sorts of dangers, complications, yeah. costs, and emotional turmoil. And so um, that's one significant risk. Um, if, you, if you look on the NHS website, even there, they will admit that one in 10 abortions encounter complications. That's quite a high number. When you think about any kind of surgery in the UK, you're meant to sign off, you know the risks, and sometimes it's one in 10,000, it's, you know, they're tiny risks. With abortion, there's a significant risk. Of course, yeah, and with taking those tablets, mm. there's huge mm. risks, wow. aren't there? Yeah. And the mother, during lockdown, would be in her bathroom yeah. Yeah. Um, in agony. Yeah, it's very dangerous. There's danger of hemorrhaging. Um, th th there was a leaked email from an NHS worker which showed that two women have already died during lockdown. Yes. In these at-home... I mean, this is back to the back streets. This is DIY at-home abortions. There's no medical attention. And in fact, here in the UK, um, the abortion industry will send you those pills um, without even examining you. You might not even be pregnant. Or you might be 24 weeks pregnant. You might be 30 weeks pregnant. Way too late for the use of those pills. Oh, so they're advised to use up to how many weeks? Up to weeks? about 12 weeks. 12 weeks, but some women use them after. Well, there's nothing to... I mean, we, there was a, a kind of um, a sort of secret shopper type um, campaign yeah. that happened recently. And, um, and the abortion industry was, was caught granting abortion pills to people for any reason, but also at any stage of pregnancy, because, of course, they, they can't check that you're actually pregnant or how pregnant you are. So it, there's nothing to stop a woman saying, I'm 12 weeks pregnant when she knows that she's 16 weeks and she'll get those pills. She may even believe that she's 12 weeks, but it's notoriously difficult to be sure. And that's why there's a medical examination uh, sure. to make sure, yeah. uh, but not now during lockdown. They'll just send the pills out to anyone. And it's, it's dangerous, obviously, it's always dangerous for the unborn child. There's never 
such a thing as a safe abortion, but now it's really dangerous for the women as well. Um, is there an encouragement for couples, women, who are expecting a baby that don't want the baby to encourage them to give it up for adoption. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, I think um, I'm, I'm, I'm no expert in this. Friends of mine say that during pregnancy, it's actually important to encourage people. You can be the parents. Yes. Um, but of course, there's also adoption there, you know. So um, a friend of mine explained that if you talk about adoption too early on in the pregnancy, it can actually encourage a, a sort of separation of bonding. So that's, yes. that was his advice. But anyway, absolutely. There's a real myth, you know. Yes. There's a real myth that um, there aren't enough people out there to adopt. No. What are we going to do with all these babies? There are people right. out there. There are lots of people. There are people who desperate. Who want babies. Desperate to adopt. I've got a friend who, it took him about two years to adopt. They've yeah. been waiting and waiting and waiting. And, you know, there are, there are very long waiting lists in this country of people who are desperate to adopt, and they can't. And you know why they can't adopt? Because these babies are not surviving the womb. Yes. Almost 100%, the nearest percentage... 100% of unwanted babies are killed in the womb. 0% escape alive for adoption. We just don't really have a culture yeah. of adoption in this country because there are people queuing up to adopt, um, but it's very rare for a baby to be voluntarily relinquished at birth for adoption. It's realistically the two options given by the doctor and by our culture is abortion or have the baby and keep it. Yes. But adoption's a wonderful gift to give, to give that child the gift of life and the gift of a family that's going to love that child so much. It's a wonderful thing. It's a courageous thing. And I think it's a, an admirable decision yes. for anyone to make. Uh, is there any research, Dave, on um, Christians having abortion? It's a very interesting question. We, as a team, we've just been talking about this. Now, in the States, for example, yes. So in the States, there's something called the Guttmacher Institute, and they've done quite comprehensive research um, and one study showed that of those who had an abortion, um, one in eight of those identified as born-again Christians right. in the States. Um, now, when you kind of put all the figures together, what that will show you is evangelicals in the, in the US aren't as likely to have an abortion as the population at large. Yes. But they're still pretty likely to have an abortion. Yes. We don't have that data here in the, in the UK, and that's something we're looking to try and get, actually. Sure. We're, we're looking to try and find out what is the abortion rate yeah. in the church, essentially. Sure. Because really, for someone like you, I mean, in many ways, you're a prophetic voice for a time such as this, and you're, you're speaking to the world. Uh, the world doesn't often listen, but that doesn't mean you don't keep speaking. But then we've got the church, yeah. where we have a greater influence. Uh, what would you want to say to the church mm. uh, and to church leaders yeah. for a time such as this? Yeah, thank you. Well, do you know, it's very easy once the time such as this has passed, it's very easy to look back and say what we should have done. And we look back at, for example, um, the German church and the rise of the Nazi yes. party and everything that happened there. And it's very easy to say, oh, you know, we wouldn't have been like that. We'd have been like Bonhoeffer. We would have stood up yeah. and, you know, spoken out for life. But we're in exactly the same position today. There's, there's a Holocaust, really, raging on our watch. And the question is, how are we responding? You know, um, I think of Esther in Esther chapter 4. She was uniquely placed by God in a position of influence for that time. Uh, but she had to make a decision. She, 
it wasn't automatic. She had to take her life in her hands, go before the king, and advocate for, for the lives of her, her Jewish nation. And, and we're at this moment in time that's not going to be repeated. And the unborn child is our neighbour. This is what we need to understand. This is not just some issue. It's not some political debate. These are real people facing an awful plight. They can't speak for themselves. And, you know, it's not, it's not an optional um, thing. You know, Psalm 31 verse 8 says, be a voice for the voiceless. Yes. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. Uh, Jesus, in the parable of the Good Samaritan, he... he um, he lifts up the Samaritan as the example of what love looks like. Yes. Love is risky. It, it takes action. It, 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 it pays the price. And of course, at the cross, Jesus shows us the ultimate example. And, and so for, as the church, we've got to see the unborn child as God sees them. And we've got to act in the way that God will have us act. Because this greatly upsets God. This, this grieves his heart. Each, each individual child made in his image, violently killed... Um, he's not happy with this. And yet somehow many of us just sort of seem to tolerate it and it doesn't seem to touch our hearts in the way it touches his heart. Yeah. And so we've got to stand up and share God's heart for this. Yeah, and, and speak about and it. speak about it. And, and not be afraid yeah. to teach about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, here in the UK at least, precious few churches really teach on this. And so I, I've grown up in church all my life, got many Christian friends. If I ask people, you know, have you ever heard a sermon on abortion? Yeah. Almost no one has. And so what that means, of course, is we're being taught by the BBC and Hollywood and The Guardian yes. what to think about abortion. Yes. But the Bible's not silent on this. And yeah. God has a lot to say on it. And we need to take it as seriously as he takes it. Absolutely. Uh, your website, Dave, to get more information, resources. Yeah, thank you. So I'll, I'll give you two if that's all Please right. Please do. So, so the work that I'm most involved with, Brefos, is helping churches to respond to abortion. So that's brefos.org, B-R-E-P-H-O-S, brefos.org. And that's really a resource to the church to teach about abortion and to take action. And really to, you know, um, to, to see it as God sees it. Sure. Um, but, and that's especially for church leaders. That's yes. especially a resource for church leaders to use. We really want to help you to teach about abortion. It's got to Great. start with teaching. Sure. Because if we don't know what we're up against, Absolutely. how are we going to respond? Um, the other website I'd like to point people towards, and Brefos is part of this, is CBRUK. Great. CBRUK.org. And, and really, that's all about mobilizing ordinary people, training them up to become advocates for life. We've got Great. apologetics training. Uh, you can get educated on the facts. You can join one of our um, voluntary teams. Yes. And, and we're all about bringing the lessons from the history of social reform. How, how do they do it in the past? How do we overturn the transatlantic slave trade? You know, how, how did we tackle child labour? Um, how did the civil rights movement prevail? There are principles that we can learn from. We can apply today. And CBIK is all about training people up to expose this injustice. And, and our mantra is, look, we don't need to protest abortion. We just need to expose it. And it protests itself. So people can come and be part of that movement to see an end to abortion. And that's what we're believing for in our lifetime. Well, Dave Brandon, thank you so much for joining us and educating us on this. Thank you very much. Thank you. Wow, what a challenge we've heard today. Let's, uh, let's pray, let's get educated, let's do what we can for a time such as this. Save the lives of people, babies, 
In the name of Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to the J. John Podcast. To find out more about J. John's ministry, visit www.canonjjohn.com and follow him on social media. Heroes of the Faith is a new podcast by J. John and his wife, Killy. Sign up today to hear the incredible stories of some of J. John's heroes of the Christian faith and the lessons we can learn from their lives. Hear about Harriet Tubman, who after escaping from a life of slavery in the USA, went on to rescue over 300 other slaves. John Bunyan, whose book, The Pilgrim's Progress, has sold more copies than any other book other than the Bible and inspired millions of people around the world. George Muller, who helped tens of thousands of children whilst leaving a lasting legacy of trust in God's provision. Ever wondered who saved more lives than anyone else on earth? Listen to the story of Edward Jenner, the Christian doctor who discovered vaccination. With a new story to be told each week, sign up now to hear J. John's Heroes of the Faith.